Hi, everyone. This is Dennis jumping in here real quick at the start of the episode to remind you that uh, Sam and I decided to take a couple of weeks off from recording new episodes. We both had some uh, some other big things going on with uh, some other events. Uh, Sam and his other podcast, King of Pro Wrestling, they had a huge convention uh, here in Chicago, the StarCast convention. And uh, me, I lost a new. I launched a new podcast myself, Dad to the Future, that just launched this weekend. So we've been getting that up and going. Uh, we're also taking these couple of weeks to uh, to kind of tweak our format a little bit. So uh, we're going to be bringing you a new episode next week with uh, Piano Man discussing that episode. And I should say we're tweaking our format. We're not changing it too dramatically, just kind of uh, streamlining episodes a little bit so they come in uh, a little bit shorter than what they have in the past. Uh, the one bit of feedback that, that we do typically get about the show is that uh, sometimes episodes do tend to run a little long. So we're just kind of tweaking those in, just Bringing them, bringing the conversations, just bringing them in uh, a little bit shorter. Uh, so we look forward to bringing that to you next week. Uh, for this week, we're going to go revisit uh, a show from our archives, talking about Honeymoon Express, uh, the season two premiere. Sam and I were joined by Betsy Freimeyer, my wife, and and we discussed the episode. Hope you enjoy, and we will be back next week with a new episode talking about Piano Man. Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fate's Wide Wheel. Today, we've got a full house here. We're uh, joined this time not only with myself and Dennis, but Dennis, why don't you do the introductions here? Uh, excellent. Well, guesting with us today, she's uh, been often mentioned through previous episodes, is my wife, Betsy. Hello. Hello. And then also from our uh, previous episode from last week is... Uh, I meant to ask you before we hit record, how, how do you like to be introduced? Annie Hogan, Annie Hogan Petrusik, Annie Petrusik, or just... Any any variation of the sort is fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Annie did not watch this particular episode, so she may not chime in as much, but she is also here wrangling Harrison, which is Betsy's and my nine-month-old son. He is nine months old today. Yay! Yay, It's his birthday, month day. You've been almost outside in the world. (laughs) Mm -hmm. More as long as he's in Betsy's body. (laughs) (laughs) He's crossing a threshold. So he is, he's enjoying some cheese right now. He's not sure which one he likes better yet. <laughs> so yeah, a few episodes ago, you were treated to the sounds of, of our cats, and uh, this time you may indeed be treated to the sounds of, of Harrison. So Absolutely. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this is also Milestone, the first episode of the second season. That's right. We are here to kick off the second season uh, with Honeymoon Express, which is written by Don Belsario, directed by Aaron Libstadt. It aired on September the 20th, 1989. Uh, there are actually a couple of leap dates in this episode, which we'll discuss when we get uh, further in depth. But mm-hmm. the, the first leap um, is May 26th, 1957. Uh, and then our second leap is April 27th, 1960. And we also spend quite a bit of time in the future, which I think the consensus seems to be is it's 1995. 
Um, uh, it would have been 1995, or considering we're a few months in, like mid 1995, maybe yeah. 1996. That's that's kind of what that's that's what the internet tells me. So who knows? Yeah, it, it may it may actually yeah. be. You know, should we start with um, the TV guy yeah, description? Absolutely. Uh, I think, I'll uh, read that. Yeah, uh, please do. I think it's right there. <laughs> Using Matt Dale's wonderful book, Beyond the Mirror Image, once again. Yeah, let's um, jump in here. Where where are we at? The TV yeah. guy description. As a new as a newlywed cop on his honeymoon in 1960, Sam's objective is to ensure that his new wife, in quotes, <laughs> who has a violent ex-husband, will pass her bar exam. But Al, Dean Stockwell, gives him a different goal. Alter world history or funding for the Quantum Leap Project will be cut off. Yeah. And that's where we start the first scene. This is it one of the, is. this is uh, one of the few, maybe the only cold open of the series uh, without a leap in, but we are yeah. somewhere else away from Sam entirely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting to note real quick that in uh, played against Seymour, we don't get the saga cell that it's just the, the scenes from Kamikaze kid directly into play it against Seymour. Mm-hmm. And then with this episode, yeah, we get a cold open, which we've mm-hmm. never had before. And that cold open is taking place in, you know, in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cold open does a lot to set up the premise for the series in case anybody is tuning in yeah. and had never seen it before. And one of the things that I noticed right off the bat is that it feels uh, a lot more grounded than a lot of episodes of season one already, just in the very first scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the exception maybe of like Genesis and uh, Color of Truth. Um, it just the tone is is just different almost right off the bat than what's come before, mm-hmm. um, and I think that without getting too deep into this, uh, so that we can get into the episode proper, uh, I wonder how much of that does have to do with the fact that Belisario was writing this in the shadow of possible cancellation mm-hmm. and his struggle to make sure that they could secure funding for Quantum Leap, the television show, mm-hmm. um, and now within the context of the episode. We're worried about securing the money for Project Quantum Leap. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we see, uh, start off with this uh, Senate committee of about five people uh, basically putting forth the question to uh, Al. Basically, you you are here to defend why do you want $2.4 billion yet for another year. Uh, And this is where we learn something for the first time that Al is a a retired admiral. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which, as I understand it, this was the first time that, that Dean Stockwell knew that, <laughs> that his character was an admiral. Yeah, and we you know we get a couple of other really cool um, um, moments as well where we find out that so far there's been $43 billion spent yes, on yeah. Project Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get the confirmation of something that has been alluded to, and certainly we talked about the fact that, you know, Al is tuned into Sam's brainwaves and vice versa, but that the experiment specifically was designed around that idea, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting and, and kind of goes back to what we've talked about bet- before with their relationship and their friendship, which is something else that gets explored throughout this episode in some, in some fun ways. Um, and then, of course, there's discussion uh, immediately about, you know, where Sam is or when Sam is, mm. um, and Al has basically proposed to the committee that God is indeed, you know, leaping Sam around through time, mm-hmm. causing him to, to put right what once went wrong, and um, 
you know, there's there's joking about are we talking about God with a capital G? Is this some or is, it, or is this is this some acronym I haven't heard of? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and and obviously we get yeah the the most of the senators on the committee are very sarcastic and and mm-hmm. disbelieving of the entire you know premise of the project, mm-hmm. um, but. But there's you know there's there's some levity, but at the same time, again, I just think that the tone's a lot more serious than than um, some of the stuff that we've even gotten before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we touch on like in the they touch on some previous leaps of Al's or, or I'm sorry Sam's supposed accomplishments of uh, what do they touch on saving the life of a test pilot mm-hmm. test pilot unborn child Peggy Sue Peggy mm-hmm. Sue yeah throw out yeah that that he gave Buddy Holly the lyrics to Peggy Sue. Uh, and also mentioned that he was integral in the integration of a small town, which they don't come right out and say, but I think it's it's touching back on color of truth. Absolutely. And and the thing that's, you know, in, in all of their disbelief, one of the things that immediately gets mentioned after all of this is that, um, oh, these are this is small potatoes. Like, why do we care about these mm-hmm. small changes? You know, yeah. we need to see something big. Yeah. I love the line, yeah, that, that Al says is... Not earth-shattering, but earth-shattering to those yeah. that were affected. And there's also uh, there's a line thrown out that one of the, the senators throw out that for $43 billion, they could have altered the course of the last presidential election. Mm-hmm. Which, if we are in our own timeline, would have been Bush versus Clinton. Mm-hmm. That would have been the last one. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting, too, because um, the, the words come um, out of the mouth of a, of a black senator, and the only reason I say that is because historically with that with that context that um, there was only, I, I believe at that time, there was only one black senator, and, and, and they were a Democrat, mm-hmm. so why would they have wanted there to be a different outcome of that election? Mm-hmm. Um, now, of course, we're living in our fantastic world of of quantum leap, so you know who knows who cares. But uh, it is just interesting, given the context of that, if it is 1995 and knowing mm. you know what the previous election mm. was. Uh, uh, interesting, like 1995. We're just six years in the future, but this is another thing, like uh, how fashion, how they predict it's going to change <laughs> in just six years. The 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 men are wearing these weird uh, tie accessories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the head Senator, Senator Brown is wearing like, like this weird button thing that actually covers the, the knot part of the tie. Yeah. And there's some interesting, like kind of, you know, neon glowing things on their desk. Oh, I, 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 assume, I assume that those were microphones. Yeah. 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 Um, just I mean, it, it's, it's, it's not the double knot from, uh, back to the future too. <laughs> But but it is an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. It's funny uh, how futuristic six years feels to the present day, I suppose. And I thought, didn't $43 billion seem like a huge number? Um, Kajillion, bajillion dollars. <laughs> like, from, like, I can't even imagine a project back then that was mm-hmm. $43 billion. Um, you'd think that everyone would have kind of been on board with, I don't know. Um, it... It is interesting, especially because they, they throw out this idea that because of the way the project was set up around Sam and Al's brainwaves, that Al is the only one who can confirm that Sam is back in time, which kind of works contrary to what they established in Starcross in the first season, where there was this committee overlooking the project, and in Starcross they actually come in and monitor Al's side of the conversation, uh, and then they actually drag him out at one point. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I took away the idea like there was a committee at Quantum Leap overseeing the project 
but as far like I said, as Congress is concerned, uh, they've poured over forty billion dollars into this thing, and yet they have received no actual proof. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I couldn't help but think about, um, as you were saying that, Betsy, is that is that um, the six million dollar man took place about twenty years prior to uh, the time that this episode was set in, um, the nineteen ninety five setting, and now we're about that same distance away from nineteen ninety five, and so thinking that. You know, in the 70s, $6 million was just a ton of money to spend <laughs> yeah. on, you know, creating this bionic man. And now $43 billion is just mm-hmm. a ton of money to spend on this time travel project in 1995. Mm-hmm. And today, you know, if they were to set that episode today, like, what? What would it be? You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that is interesting. National debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, Adjusted for inflation, though, the, the funny thing is, is apparently it would be um, about 60-some billion dollars, okay. which does not seem... Honestly, in some ways, it doesn't seem like that much of a jump. I mean, it's over $20 billion, which is a lot of money. But it's interesting to think, like, oh, $43 billion, $60 billion. I mean, when you're talking about that much money, all of a sudden, it doesn't seem like that much of a difference. I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What's another $20 billion? Right. Talking in billions. <laughs> yeah. They've thrown $40 billion at it. What's another $2.4 which is what they're... Which is what yeah. uh, the yearly... Admiral. Uh, the Admiral Al is there to get. I did have a question project. about mm-hmm. proof. When they're talking about proof, um, what do they expect? Because that will be interwoven into the history that they have experienced, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Won't that be impossible? Won't it be impossible to prove it? That is a great question that they never... <laughs> well, <laughs> Or is this just suspension of disbelief for, mm-hmm. for television? I mean, I, that's perfectly valid, you know, too. And not to, not to jump too far ahead into the episode, uh, so I, don't, I won't say anything specific, but given the ending of the episode, I think that we are led to believe that you're absolutely right. They would not notice the difference, but Al does. Um, that makes sense. And, and, and I don't know, you know, I mean, whatever techno babbly fantasy sort of excuse we'd have to come up with, with why he notices the difference. Um, but I, but I think it has something to do with the fact that, you know, the project itself kind of exists out of time in a way because of the nature of what Sam is doing. Um, and that Ziggy in particular notices the differences because of the nature of being this parallel hybrid computer that can kind of see all the different possibilities or whatever. Um, but no, that's a really good point because yeah, you have to wonder. And it's like, they want this big thing. They want some cold, Mm -hmm. hard proof. And at the same time, it's like, well, how would you know? How would you actually know that something changed? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, he's sitting, Al's sitting here telling you things that have changed and you don't care. Right. And so what would, you know, what would the difference be if you did know some sort of big, big difference or something? Yeah, I don't know. That just struck me in the moment. But I think you might be correct about the conclusion. Yeah. 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 I mean, we'll definitely revisit it, I think, at the end of the episode because mm-hmm. it, it bears more discussion <laughs> than I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we get, basically we get to the end of the scene and the Senator Brown, the head of the committee, says that they are going to render their decision in... 48 hours, and Al interjects in one more time. Is like, you know, if, if you end this project, you're going to be ending one of the greatest projects mankind has ever adventures, undertaken. Adventures, yeah. yeah. Adventures yeah. mankind has ever undertaken. Most importantly, you will leave a brave man back there alone. And then Senator Brown says the yeah. really shitty line. Yeah. He's not alone, Admiral. He has God. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, uh, uh. And, and then we, there, don't we get a line actually shortly before this though, where uh, the one senator uh, corrects someone when when they say he in reference to God. God, yeah. It says or she, or and she. Yeah. like I, I hope, hope so. so. I, I, hope, I hope you're right, senator. Yes. 
<laughs> which with Al, I think you can take a number of ways. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's funny. So then we jump into the opening credits. Yeah. Uh, and we got a new credit sequence. A new, mm-hmm. Which is really kind of the standard one that we'll have for just about the rest of the series. For, at least for the little, first little changes, At least for the first half of, uh, of this season. Yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, Oh yeah, and then we come back in to uh, when we come back from the commercial break. Uh, Sam is up in a tree. He is indeed. Uh, one thing that I want to mention real quick, actually, I maybe should have said this uh, prior, but uh, I actually didn't watch this episode on my Blu-rays. Uh, I was it, it was a late night, and I just wanted to be able to watch them embed in the Blu-ray players in another room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually used the NBC app to watch the episode, mm-hmm. and I have to say, I was actually surprised. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily blown away by the quality or anything like that, but I don't know that the quality is, is too terribly different. Mm. Um, from, I don't think I don't it's, it's, I don't think it's very different from the, from the Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's sorry. But, uh, yeah, so we get back from the commercial break and now we are, um, with Sam who is, uh, up in a tree, up in a tree, <laughs> trying to get a cat. An old lady is, is, is begging for him to be careful with ginger mm-hmm. with ginger. And then, um, <laughs> Hello, Harrison. <laughs> you like this? You like the That's cat right. scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there is a very funny moment coming mm-hmm. up. So, mm-hmm. and, um, and and so uh, Al appears like with with the hologram effect, uh, with the hologram effect uh, floating alongside, and asks him like yeah. how would he, how would he would like to be a part of a revolution? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Does the name Fidel Castro mean anything to you? Uh, and this is where we learn that he's May twenty sixth, nineteen fifty seven. Yeah. Uh, this is interesting to go back to talking about like you watching this on NBC.com. If you watch it on Hulu, they show the rerun version. Really? Cut out. And if you watch the, the rerun version, Al does not appear in this scene at all. It, oh, man. It, it, it is just a very quick sequence of Sam trying to get the cat out of the tree, the cat jumping down, Sam falling out of the tree, and... And that's it. We don't get any of Al's wow. Any of Al's commentary in this scene. Hmm. That's too bad because I, I not only do I, I love what Al has to say, but I really love the visual of Al. Mm-hmm. You know, because it looks like he's floating, yes, but at the same time he's he's standing like he's just sort of standing casually. And at one point, he even like kind of crosses his legs like he's leaning on something almost. Mm-hmm. And it's just really kind of neat the way that they pull the you know the shot off where he's basically standing in midair while Sam's in the tree. Mm-hmm. So it makes for a great visual. It's kind of fun and mm-hmm. you know uh, different. We've not seen anything like that before, really. I don't think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. aside from him like walking through things or things passing through him, like this first right. time we saw him. Floating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So then we get into the leap proper. Yes, we do. And Sam leaps in. He is locking lips with a beautiful woman. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Um, who we find out, obviously, is his wife, Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, and, interesting enough, Sam has leapt into uh, another Tom. Yes, we talked about that before, yeah. yeah. Season one started off with him leaping into a Tom, and he has oh. leaped into a Tom. Now it's um, Tom McBride. Tom McBride, mm-hmm. uh, but he, they get interrupted very quickly by <laughs> the porter. Yeah, uh, by the porter, <laughs> um, and it's it's kind of uh, clear from the beginning that this is the start of uh, Sam being portrayed a little bit differently. Yes, because he is automatically he is very shy. He is very hesitant to be making out with a woman that he does not know. Whereas. 
and played uh, against Seymour. Played, played against Seymour. It took him a while to get warmed up. Sure. But he was not opposed. I mean, actually, when played against Seymour, like, there's a moment where Allison lays a pretty big kiss on him, and after she walks away, he looks at me and says, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, for yeah, that. yeah. So, Absolutely, which we talked a bit about on the last episode. Yeah. Um, so the um, yeah, and it, it is it is interesting. The characterization of Sam um, has has changed a little bit and becomes more the template for the rest of the show. Um, but I think that in general, just again, that tone has changed. It feels a little bit more serious, a little bit more adult. Um, the stakes definitely feel higher in this episode in a lot of cases. Um, it's still fun, but it's not like the fun of the first season. I don't mm. think. Um, the um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, we can get yeah. Once uh, I have more thoughts on that, like once we get into like Sam's objective of why mm-hmm. why is there. Um, but yeah, so they get interrupted by the porter, um, and it's very clear Sam wants to get out of there, get them out into a public space. So he is. Uh, so he does not have the expectation to perform, let's say. Yeah, right. And and she wants to stay in the room or stay in the cabin or compartment. Then right. she wants to stay in the compartment because she's got one thing on her mind, and it's not torts and writs. Which, you, you know, um, I, I'm a little all over the place today. I, I, I apologize. My notes are, are a little disorganized, but I'm just going to jump to this. Um, it's, it's interesting, again, the... Especially with some of the things we've talked about before and the notion of the one theory where, like, Sam was basically taking advantage of these women, mm-hmm. um, if not out and out, you know, raping them or sexually assaulting them mm-hmm. um, because they didn't know he was. They were was. Yeah. someone different. Yeah. But his, his, you know, his feelings about this in the, in the context of this episode completely, like, you know, make you want to bury all of that discussion because he's very much against all of it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not like the kissing. He can kind of be okay with because he sort of feels like, all right, you know, I'm, I, I have to, I have to kind of play my part, and I have to not mm-hmm. betray that too much. But, um, but yeah, he even says to Al, he's like, you know, it's not morally right to sleep with a woman you don't love. Mm-hmm. Um, and furthermore, I think that you know the subtext there is someone who doesn't know that you're not the person they think they are. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I find that interesting um, because it is presented in the male perspective. Yeah, it is. Well, no, I can't do this. I couldn't possibly. It's not morally correct. Not thinking, no, she can't possibly give consent in this scenario. She doesn't know him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, you know, it's it's nice that they're trying to address that, but it does feel a bit like, I don't want to say dated because this continues, but... Um, it does feel like it is male focused rather than, and maybe this is the only way they could tackle it because, you know, it would it would be really hairy to try and stop and say, okay, lady, we know this is your honeymoon, but actually, this really isn't the guy, and and you know, mm-hmm. um, so I get it, but it is interesting that even talking to Al, he didn't bring up like she can't, she I, she, yeah. I'm not the guy the guy that. She thinks mm. I am. Yeah. So it's not right to do that to her. On that's not morally right. Not I don't love her. So that I mean, yeah, you know? that's something I, I hadn't quite thought of in the context of this episode. But yeah, there's 
you know, like he say, like his threshold is as soon as I fall in love with her, yeah, it's then okay. It's cool. it, then, then it's cool. Then it's okay to, to sleep with her and her now. Even if she doesn't know that I'm a different person, it's mm-hmm. cool because I love her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little, little sticky. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's a really, really good point, and it is very much mm-hmm. just from Sam's own perspective of how how he feels about it and right. how and how it makes you know him feel as opposed to what what is you know. Yeah. What is consent in this situation? And I think that, mm-hmm. you know, you're not wrong in saying that it's dated because, and I say this with a great deal of sensitivity, is that I think that the public awareness and our social consciousness of what consent was in 1989 is very different from what it is in 2017. Mm-hmm. That's not to say that the definition of consent has changed by mm-hmm. any means, yeah. you know, or should ever, you know, change. Like, consent is consent. But I do think that it's interesting to think about within the context of 1989, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was a bit different, you know, or, mm-hmm. or, or thought of in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All of this, I understand, too. Like, he's our hero. He is our um, touchstone throughout all of these leaps. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's in his perspective. But I think that that would not be the only perspective presented today. Absolutely. Yeah, I I think that um, there are some very, very interesting things about the way that we're given this idea that Sam can't do this thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to a a sort of a broader perspective of, you know, what this means for both of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because obviously, like you're saying, Betsy, it it, it affects both of them, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and so much of of Diane's power is, is taken away by her believing because he looks like Tom, mm-hmm. sounds like Tom, mm-hmm. is, you know, is, is the person that she got married to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as she's concerned, that it does take a lot of that, a lot of that away from her. Mm-hmm. Just a thought. Yeah. No, that's yeah. A, it's so, yeah. so we jump out. So the porter uh, goes back out into the hallway. What would you call that on the on the on a train? Corridor. Like the corridor. corridor. Yeah. yeah, there we go. I like it. So <laughs> the porter steps back into the corridor, and Sam follows him out. And just says, "Hey, when you come back with the champagne, can you bring me a copy of the the newspaper? Because you know he wants to get the date and all that." Right. And he's like, and the porter's like, "You you want a newspaper on your honeymoon?" He's like, yeah, I like to keep up with with current events. <laughs> and then. Uh, and then the porter asks Sam, like, which bunk he would like to have made up, and Sam says, both of them. <laughs> and I love this moment when Sam walks away. The porter, who is black, as he's walking away, he goes, white people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing that may or may not fly today. Really? I don't know. I mean, he's, he's like the, the jokey one-liner African-American guy. Mm. A bit? I feel like we still see that a lot in, in today's day and age. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I like him. Mm-hmm. I, I think he's a funny character, and I enjoy every scene he's in. Because mm-hmm. um, he's, he's well-written. Mm-hmm. But sidebar. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have an opinion one way or the other, to be honest mm-hmm. with you on that. Because... I, I, I mean, I laughed at the joke. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like it is. Yeah, there, there's nothing. There's nothing else that makes me like raise an eyebrow. You know what yeah, I mean? Since yeah. it's just kind of that one line, so you're just sort of like, ah. Mm-hmm. And know. the show is generally pretty sensitive, I find. Mm-hmm. But, so but, yeah, just curious. Yeah. So and I would certainly say there's some episodes that are more sensitive than others. Like there are certainly sure. some episodes where you're just sort of like, 
Uh, but again, and, and kind of going back to what you were saying about Sam earlier, I, I think throughout this season in particular, we, you know, there is much more uh, of that sensitivity is portrayed through him specifically, mm-hmm. um, because we meet a lot of characters on the periphery that are dirtbags for sure, <laughs> a la Color of Truth. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so Sam is, is out in the corridor. Yeah. He's met our reporter friend. He wants a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then so then he gets back into the cab with Diane briefly, and then he ducks in to the bathroom, uh, sees himself in the mirror. He apologizes to yeah. Tom McBride. He pulls out his wallet, finds his identity, and uh, apologizes to the guy for interrupting his honeymoon. And then he also uh, and then he also pulls back and he sees like he has a gun, and then he's yeah. freaked out. Then he sees that he has a badge and handcuffs. Mm-hmm. And it's been a while since I watched this episode. And so Sam asked the question that I had on my mind instantly, <laughs> like who brings their badge and the gun and their handcuffs along with them on their honeymoon? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now this is a novice question because mm-hmm. I remember a little quantum leap, but not much. <laughs> when he's looking in the mirror, the guy can't actually hear him, or can he? Is he like is is this where he's in that? The actual person is in a room somewhere and, and watching the, everything go on, or no? So the the person that Sam leaps in, leaps into is in the future. Okay, basically waiting out in what they call the waiting room, waiting to leap back and come home. Their memory is just as Swiss Swiss cheese as Sam's memory. We've talked about on previous episodes. Um, Sam has thrown out the idea that uh, that Al or uh, somebody on the staff at Project Quantum Leap is filling the person in on what's going on so that when they leap back, they're not totally Got caught it. off guard and out of the blue. Yeah. But like when Sam is talking to the reflection in the mirror, like, no, there's no cool. okay. there's no like connection yeah. or communication. And, and I think that there's also that idea, just because, again, the, 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 you know, they play around with this some, uh, but that... Part of the Swiss cheesing, you know, it's reciprocal. So, in other words, when the person comes back in, they're going to be a little Swiss cheese and a little out of it. Um, but they're also going to remember some of the things that maybe Sam did while he was there. Mm-hmm. You know, just in that, in that, in the, the cross of the leap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at this point, I don't think Tom McBride has any idea what's mm-hmm. going on. You know, he's in a room thinking he should be mm-hmm. with his new wife, but instead, he's you know, in this Mama. white jumpsuit mm-hmm. and you know, waiting for. Waiting to get back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so now Sam he steps back out and then he has a discussion uh, with Diana. This is at the moment where she is unpacking everything and she, yeah. and she discovers her Torts and Ritz book because yep. she is studying for her bar exam and she is just so turned on that Sam thought to pack her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She thinks it's the sweetest thing in the world and um, thought to pack her textbook. Yeah. Yeah, but but of he course, it's her dream. That's mm-hmm. right. Um, which makes us think that Tom's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tom's yeah. a good guy. Yeah, but Tom's a really great guy. Um, <laughs> Harrison agrees. Her- Do you concur, Harrison? <coughs> I can. <coughs> Um, <clears throat> and so this is when so he steps back out. We get a lot of old boys in this episode. We do get a lot yeah. of old boys. And, and so she is uh, getting ready to put on a negligee. She's starting to undo her yeah. the clothes that she has on. And, and Sam is going to step out. And she makes a comment like, Are you going to kiss me like one more time before you leave? And he says, Oh boy, steps out in the hall. Yeah, he doesn't kiss her. 
No? No. <laughs> she doesn't. Just says, oh boy, and walks out. And she's like, oh, okay. I yeah. guess I'll yeah. study my torts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And so this is when we see Al for the, for the first time in... Yeah, in 1960. Yeah, in 1960. And so Al immediately jumps right into this idea of that he is uh, he is here to have significant impact of global importance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and the thing that he brings up is the U-2 spy plane, mm-hmm. uh, which the funny thing is, is when he says he wants to make sure that U-2 doesn't get shot down, Sam's first response is the rock band. Rock yes. <laughs> um, and then, of course, goes into uh, how it's being flown over Russia and Gary Powers will be shot down and, and how it contributes to the Chile mm-hmm. relations between the Soviet Union and the U.S. for years to come mm-hmm. um, and, and extends the Cold War by decades. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Sam asked the question, how is he supposed to do that? Mm-hmm. And this is where we throw out an, an integral plot point of the episode, yep. is that Diane's dad is Senator Max Brown of Ohio, who is a golfing and fishing buddy of... Ike. Ike. To which Sam's I, like, who? <laughs> Ike, Ike David Eisenhower. Right. Um, of Ohio, which also I thought this was interesting because the other day we were driving to work and there was a story on NPR. The name uh, Brown is actually uh, very significant, very prevalent in the state of Ohio. Really? And there was even an election. I can't remember what office it was in Ohio, but somewhere in recent history, there was a guy running for office in Ohio. He was not well known. Mm -hmm. I can't remember what his last name was. He did not look like he was going to win. At the last minute, he legally changed his name to Brown. No. He got on the ballot as Brown. And he won the election. Oh my gosh! Just based on last name recognition, Un- unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, but we get this connection. This is how Al wants Sam to stop the U two mission by having Diane's dad get a hold of Ike right. and and call off the mission. And Sam is like, you know, what is this about? We've never we've never done anything of of significant global impact, and that's the way he mm-hmm. pointing up to the man upstairs. Mm-hmm. Wants to have it done. Right. And so Sam says, you know, wants to know, like, what does Ziggy think he's there to do? And there's a 70-some-odd percent chance that he's there to help Diane pass her bar exam. Her bar exam. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that uh, it's interesting because it sets up this uh, odd kind of conflict between Sam and Al. Mm-hmm. Um, and Al obviously has Sam's best interest at heart but doesn't want to divulge why mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's asking him to do this other thing. Uh, and then Sam, though, is is sort of more focused on the this doesn't make sense with what I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't understand this. And mm-hmm. I think that it's interesting because it's a very, it's a bit smaller right now, but there is this sort of tension that seems to be growing uh, <laughs> between the two of them within the episode. And 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 Sam is feeling very. You can tell that Sam is just feeling a lot of pressure. Again, the stakes just seem higher, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's the thing, like watching the episode this time, it's. Uh, uh, there, there is no logical reason for, for Al to withhold this information from Sam, really. Yeah, I think it's that idea though that you're trying to like protect. You know, he's trying to protect him. He doesn't mm-hmm. want. And I think the last thing that Al wants Sam to think is that they don't believe that he's doing what he's doing, and mm-hmm. that and that they're ready to pull the plug on it all. Mm-hmm. I feel like Al, you know, he just thinks that that could destroy Sam's confidence and mm-hmm. his, you know, and and. and 
like what the hell is he fighting for if, mm-hmm. if the people back home don't you know don't care what he's doing mm-hmm. sort of thing I don't know maybe yeah mm-hmm. so they part ways and uh, Al does one of his things where we were like uh I think it's one of the, where we hear like the imaging chamber door. We hear the door screen. open. Yeah, yeah we don't see it. Yeah, and so uh, Sam is walking back, and he sees that Diane is getting kidnapped. Yeah, she screams. Yes, and, yeah. and I love like there's this awkward moment of like he he just sees a woman getting violently pulled out of a compartment, and he doesn't realize yet it's Diane. He's like, huh. Oh, well, that's interesting. And then probably, like, she doesn't quite get there, but she's almost like, hell, hey, hey. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you cop guy. Yeah. I, you know, maybe it's just that it's so unexpected. Maybe it's just that, that, you know, the editor thought that you needed to have more time on the situation in Sam's face, and that's mm. why, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that's when we, uh, yeah, Sam rescues her. And um, we meet Roger. Roger. Watching this one, like, he is, like, the first real villain of Quantum Leap. Uh, Like, we've had, like, not nice people, especially in Kamikaze Kid and Color of Truth and played against Seymour. But like, Those yeah, guys are like, cold killer. Yeah, yeah. like in, like in a psycho killer. You know? Yeah, like in a different context. Like you could see him being a recurring bad guy mm-hmm. on on a series. Like right. he is mm-hmm. just uh, he is just a bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And immediately, basically, reveals that he's Diane's ex husband. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that, he also uh, so we should mention. Yeah, so Sam gets Diane free, and they have this moment. Um, he initially pulls a knife, Sam pulls his gun, but then he pulls out uh, a cigarette and a lighter, which Betsy noticed. What's the, the image on the on the lighter that he has? The Cross of Lorraine. Which is? It is a cross with two bars, one shorter than the other. It's like a symbol of the Lorraine region in France, which, along with Alsace, was annexed by Germany in World War II, and once again before that, but in this case... Sounds like World War Two is. Yeah. How did you fail so that? <laughs> stay tuned. Stay tuned for Betsy Freymeyer's history podcast. That's right. Yeah. Coming come forth on the, on the Face White Wheel Network. Betsy can uh, compete with uh, Dan Carlin in Hardcore History. Yeah. This is a great podcast, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Um, but anyway, so in this, uh, Roger reveals that he had a dream about Diana the other night. Yeah. Running through the snow ran into a, a windmill and then there was somebody else in there who looked like Sam or, or Tom. Right. And he bled him out in the snow. And then he bled him out in the snow. But the yeah. key difference yeah. is that uh, he had the eyes in the dream. Right. The man had the eyes of a man that can kill, which Sam does not. Does not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is which is a really great moment. And, mm-hmm. and um, again, just, you know, really reinforces that sort of sinister tone <laughs> of the episode. And, 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 you know, that, that sinister quality comes in so many different ways from the committee, from Roger, from the, you know, there's, there's all sorts of, of, of angles where, you know, it does. It just feels a little bit more sinister than what we're used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but that moment is, is a little chilling, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it clearly has an effect on Sam as well. Yeah. Um, and you believe that. You don't yeah. think of Sam as being someone who can kill somebody mm-hmm. or would kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, it's a complicated... It's it's a, a a line that he says that is it's so much deeper than it originally it, it initially sounds. Um, the eyes of someone can, because Tom 
Tom the cop totally right. would have had those killer eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. So this puts his dream in context. Um, this puts Sam in context. It's. I, I thought it was a well written little moment. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And the way that it's shot, and in particular the, when like Roger gets off the train, mm-hmm. which by the way, simpler times. <laughs> so, we, so we should when jump back. Psycho killers. We, yeah, because we kind right. of glossed over like the, the the train is heading from New York to Niagara Falls. Yeah, the Niagara Falls run is called the Honeymoon Express. A few minutes earlier, they get a red light in Harlem, and the porter mentions like they should just put it on the schedule. They always get a red red light in Harlem, which I assume this is when Roger jumped on the train, right? Uh, to do this, and now he's just gonna just hop right off just, on a moving train. It was moving when yeah. he jumped. It was off starting to take up, yeah, with his beige trench coat and his cigarette and his mm. lighter. I mean, very French. They they it, over and over again reiterate the Frenchness of he's super French, you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and it, it, and it feels very cinematic. There's something about yeah. this episode that that uh, you know, again, not only does it the tone differ and, and the stakes feel higher, but this episode more than any other just feels very cinematic in the way that it's shot and the color palette. And and I feel like you can also notice a, a jump up in, in even the quality. Um, you know, I would say that the season one episodes look a certain way, and this episode looks different from those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it obviously they're still kind of playing around with genre a little bit, even in this episode with some of the sort of the Hitchcock vibe and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, and it works really, really well. The thing that I love about this in contrast to say like played against Seymour or, or, you know, any of the other episodes in season one where they're clearly like playing around with these genre tropes is that they don't. They don't steer too hard into any of them, and instead they just focus on the story and what's happening. Whereas, like, Play It Against Seymour, I feel like sometimes really, really, really just wants to say, this is an old, you know, 40s gumshoe noir, even though it's 1953, but, mm-hmm. you know. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, this this particular moment I feel like is very cinematic, and um, mm-hmm. and, and, and the whole episode it really has that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we've, we've met the psycho killer. Yeah, so he steps right. off, Sam points his gun, and... Proves Roger right. He is not mm-hmm. capable of, of pulling the trigger. Yeah. Yeah, Roger is just sauntering away mm-hmm. from the moving train, like. Actually, laughs at him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we cut to the scene of Diane apologizing to Tom, yep. Sam, for not telling him that, that she was previously married and, you know, always knew that he was jealous, but, you know, just thought it was very French and she was flattered by it until. She wasn't flattered by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anymore. And we learned that he was an arms dealer mm-hmm. uh, who started off like smuggling arms to the French resistance during World War II uh, and continued that business after the war was over. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of fascinating because I feel like in today, you know, the, the past 10 or 15 years, anytime something like it's brought up about the French resistance, it's, you know, it's very heroic, which, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, you know, mm-hmm. without a doubt. But to think that our villain comes you know, from taking part in this otherwise very heroic enterprise mm-hmm. uh, is just is, is interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just a dude who likes guns. Yeah. Like, it could be that. Absolutely. Hey, I mean, the, the, yeah. It, or it's knives not, or mm, what have you. Whatever is at his disposal. Yeah. <laughs> so now we jump back. Now we are back to the future. Uh-huh. And they are about... That was totally unintended. <laughs> that time. Yeah. Every other time. Every other time is pretty much intended. Um... And they are here to render the decision, and Al immediately interjects, saying he would like a 48-hour delay, because in this time, by Monday morning, Sam will have stopped 
the U2 plane from getting shot down, thus proving that he is back in time. Which yeah. brings up your question, Betsy, that you were asking earlier is, well, well how? I mean, if, if he stops it and he gets back yeah. to the meeting, and like, how, how, do, how do they know? How do right. they... Yeah. It will have just been one way or the other. They mm-hmm. won't have known that it changed. For sure. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, I was trying to look it up before. I found this weeks ago, and I can't, I can't find it now, but it's, it's the name of a time travel trope that basically argues that time runs concurrently between two different time periods. Okay. And so this is important because, like, in theory, if Sam is successful in stopping the U2 plane from getting shot down... Like, it already happened over 30 years ago. Like, we're going to know now why is it going to take 48 hours for history mm. to mm-hmm. change. Right, right, So right. there is, uh, I can't remember, again, I can't remember the name of the trope, but the idea of, like, when you have two different time periods running together, they kind of run simultaneously with each other. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, which, I, which I had never thought about before, before I stumbled on the trope, but it's very important to the idea of, of Quantum Leap and Sam and Al's dynamic relationship. Because if it wasn't that, you could have a scenario, say, where Al gives Sam bad information, Sam screws up, Al would be able to project himself back and go, hey, in a half hour, I'm going to show up and tell you to do this. Don't do that. I screwed up. This is what you really need to do. Sure, sure. So uh, you need to have that plot device or else it could get messy. Yeah, well, I think that one of the things, and I don't know, how, we really haven't talked about this a whole lot, oddly enough, uh, but one of the things about Quantum Leap uh, that is worth noting, if you try to figure out the reality of the time travel within the show, it it, it doesn't quite work or hold mm-hmm. up, or it requires a, a, a great deal of suspension of disbelief. Mm-hmm. I think there are other programs, other films out there that you know that take the time travel a little bit more seriously. Mm-hmm. Maybe um, I think that you know one of the things that Quantum Leap gives us over some others though is, is a, a more probable means of actually achieving the time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole like leaping within one's own lifetime and you know the setting white right <laughs> setting right what once went wrong I, I think is um, it, it, that certainly starts to stretch the bounds of reality uh, to its breaking point because yeah. because again you're right like how would anyone know how would yeah. anyone know you know if, if he had accomplished his mission because how would anyone be able to tell the difference because once you complete that you know it, it, it goes into all, all sorts of things about paradoxes and, yeah. and everything it's it's like we're, uh, Jess and I have been re-watching Doctor Who in, in preparation for the, the Christmas special and um, the there's there's an episode without going into too much detail, detail to spoil things but there's an episode um, in the newest Doctor's run where his companion is, is basically begging him to change something that just happened and, uh, you know, he tells her, he's like, I can't, you know, if I change what just happened, you will never come here to ask me to change what happened. And it creates, you know, creates that paradox. And so I, I, you know, again, there are other, there are other things out there that go into a deeper detail. I think about, mm-hmm. you know, what can happen if something goes wrong or what this all means and, and quantum leap on the other hand, you know, just sort of says, oh, this is the way it is. And we're going to ask you to believe that. And yeah. if you believe that everything else will make sense. <laughs> and the one thing I think it does, and I am not a time travel aficionado, <laughs> but I, the, the surprisingly brings into it is the concept of God. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Dr. Who, for example, they're not talking about whether or not it's God's plan 
to change this thing that just happened. Right. They're saying, no, I can't, because it will disrupt the space-time continuum, and you won't exist in this moment anymore. Yeah. So, in in Quantum Leap, they ha- they can point to God. Even Al points to, literally points to God and says, it's, it's his, he's taking over now. Yeah. So, that gives them a cool out to not be like... In, inflicting their will on a lot of these things. Um, I'm sure that it happens, but it is nice to be able to fall back on, like, nope, this isn't part of the plan this time. Yeah. I'm not going to try and mess with it. Uh, it's, it's clearly mm-hmm. the higher powers, God with a capital G, mm-hmm. that want this to go the way it's going. Yeah. So I found the name of the trope. The trope is San Dimas time. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a reference back to Bill and Ted's oh, actual Rufus's line, the clock wow. in San Dimas is always running. So that's the trope where the two time periods run oh, simultaneously man. to each other and are connected. Bill and Ted. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. Also traveling through time in a phone booth, one, one might add, you know. Yes. Um, so so now we, so we have this, it's a very brief scene where just like we, we set the stakes up within 48 yeah. hours... Sam is going to have stopped the U-2 plane from getting shut down, and if not, the senator says, if not, will you accept that, that Quantum Leap is a failure and uh, go off to the sunset? I think I can't remember how he says it, but basically, like, go off into retirement. Yeah, and it's yeah. right. Go, yeah, yeah. go comfortably off into retirement. Go comfortably off yep. into retirement, and uh, Al reluctantly agrees to that, and so now we're back on the train in 1960 in... Yep. In the dining car. And they're having champagne. Yeah, and she immediately spots um, who we will later find out is, I'll just go ahead and spoil it now because it's pretty obvious, I think, even to the casual viewer. Sure. It's Roger's henchman who is never given a name in the episode proper, but in the credits he is credited as Henri. Well, there we go. <laughs> Very French. Roger yes. and only. Yeah. <laughs> but Diane points out that uh, there is a man at the bar and he's drinking. I couldn't catch what a kind of... A key? A cure. A cure. Okay. It's a French drink. Yeah. And it's a French wine, and so she is very in tune with the fact that... Yeah. That... Clearly she has an eye, because, I mean... Mm-hmm. Right. The ex was French, so... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so we have this cute little scene where Sam decides to read Diane's champagne, champagne bubbles. bubbles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which, is, which is really nice. And, and, and the thing that's really great about it, too, is it's not hammed up at all. Yeah. You know, it's just a sweet little moment. It's and charming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of goes back into that thing that, you know, we've talked about a lot before where Sam... Uh, he genuinely cares about like his his missions, if mm. you will. You know the people that are involved are, are that he has to be there with and you know protect, save, or otherwise. He he really does develop an affinity for them pretty quickly. And, and even like you know in, in played against Seymour, for instance, there's a lot about how he's starting to develop feelings for Allison. You know, mm-hmm. and, and in this case, here he is with Diane, and he's really kind of you know trying to do what he can to put her at ease. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so in this, he, he reveals a, a, a true story about himself the first time. He rode a train, and he was two years old, and he was so scared, and Mom gave him a book to read, and she was like, you could read at two years old? Yeah. And that's when Al shows up, we're like, yes, as a matter of fact, he could read at two, could do calculus in his head at five. By ten, he could beat a computer at chess. Yep. Uh, which for I, those of you not paying attention, this dude's really yeah, smart. He's yeah, a, he, he's this, brilliant. This scene was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To know. Yeah. And so uh, Sam suggests that they go off and talk to to the men's room. Yep. Go up to the men's room again to to talk about that. 
And again, going back to the tension between the two, Sam's not very happy with Al right now because mm-hmm. he thinks it's Al's fault that he couldn't like get to Diane sooner, mm-hmm. and you know, and that's when we find out that research is offline at the project. Mm-hmm. So before we get to that, Diane notes that she is going back to her compartment to do oh, some no. girl things, and she, it is clear what she is expecting when Tom slash Sam gets back to the. Gets yeah. back to the compartment. Yep. So they go off to the men's room, and like you said, uh, Sam is very unhappy. And this is when Al accidentally reveals that they had pulled a research offline, which is like one of the last things you would want to pull off because that's like Al's entire job in, in helping right. Sam out is not being able to well, provide information of what happened. Yeah, and, and I mean, Sam, how can you succeed? Like, your whole edge in a project like this is knowing what happens or like mm-hmm. how to affect the things mm-hmm. that are unfolding mm-hmm. but no research you're just living it like everybody else mm-hmm. but before this we also get a moment where Al reveals that he has to think through like he knows he has taken three of his ex-wives <laughs> oh yeah to, to Niagara Falls and we discovered <laughs> that Al's had five five ex-wives he, yeah he's had oh, uh, yeah. he's had uh, five wives and fourth wife was named Sharon fifth wife was named Maxine and he finally figures out that he took the first third and fifth wife to Niagara Falls to which Sam responds how odd uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> dead joke nerd alert <laughs> I think it's so cute um, but you know I remember watching this show as a kid I never picked up on what a dirty old <laughs> Hound dog, uh, Alice. Like yeah. he's talking about lingerie left and right, and he's talking about. Um, there was that that moment when he said, "He's talking to God. Why are you wasting this on him?" Mm-hmm. When he's talking about how Sam is like choosing mm-hmm. not to go in and sleep with his his right. newlywed, yeah. and Alice like. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> to go on a little tangent, this has occurred before, in the, in the scenes back in the future, in every scene, she doesn't have any lines, but there was another mm-hmm. naval officer sitting next to Al mm-hmm. at the table. And you know, like, they're traveling back and forth between D.C. and New Mexico together. Like, how much is Al hitting on her? <laughs> uh, Probably constantly, because then, mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't think about anything else. I mean... yeah. And there was also, I mean, think about it. Red light, uh, green light out. Red yes, light, yeah. Light. I mean, also, I mean, uh, I mean, you have to imagine that this hearing that you that we see in the future is taking place in D.C. So yeah. Al has like three cross country trips. Yeah. While this episode is going on. Yeah. Hmm. Probably not getting a lot of sleep, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and and you know, again, it is it's it's interesting because that dynamic between Sam and Al within the episode. Um, which we're going to get a really great payoff for shortly, um, and, and the tension between the two, and, and yet Al is really doing everything he can to make sure that Sam has everything he needs to be safe and, and secure, and you know, and, and yet Sam is, is, is increasingly throughout the episode just feeling very much like he's not getting the help he needs, you mm-hmm. know, feeling like you know, and um, plus the pressure to perform. Well, right, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And is this the the dirty job that somebody's got to do it? Oh yeah, this yeah, is. Yeah, well, this yeah. is where they have the whole conversation of where where Al says. <laughs> Sam <laughs> says he doesn't feel right sleeping with a woman that, that he doesn't love. And then Al has the line, which when we were watching it, Betsy was very fond of this line. <laughs> I have loved every woman yes. I've ever slept with yeah. at the time, at the time that I slept, slept with them. them. And yeah. you know what? I believe him. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> you know, he might be a dirty old hound dog, but he he owns it and he's that's genuinely him. He's right. not it's he's not Sneaky about it. He he just he genuinely mm-hmm. 
is who he yeah. is. Yeah. So so uh, so Sam accidentally says he reveals that he's starting to get feelings for Nam and says like I'm not in love with her yet. Yet. And Al calls it out and says yet. Mm. And this is when Al says mm. you have to go back in and make love to this woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. Yeah. And I think. Um, uh, no, it was in the previous scene where where it, we have this moment of you will pass your bar, you will pass your bar. Mm-hmm. Then after she passes out, you will call your daddy to have Ike call it the YouTube mission. Yeah. Well, and now you know it's great because um, kind of almost going back to what Betsy was saying earlier when Sam gets back to the carriage and and clearly Diane is is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Sam decides to just like. My name is Sam Beckett. I'm an astrophysicist. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like let's. And of course, she thinks it's part of a game. You know, and she's yeah, like, I'm, I'm a surprised. spy, and I'm here to. You know, mm-hmm. but but yeah, he does. He kind of tries to. I mean, and, and watching that scene uh, this time because it's been a while since I watched this episode. I'm, I'm like, what? Where was Sam going with that? Like, what was his right. end game and mm-hmm. and revealing? Was he all of that about himself? Like, did he really expect her to go? Oh, that makes perfect sense. That's why we're not making love on our honeymoon. Yeah, right. I, like, he he just made himself, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Hey, okay, sure, this is the game we're playing." Mm-hmm. He got so lucky right there mm-hmm. that she wasn't like, "What? What? Did you hit your head?" Like, right? What's, because what's I mean, this is Tom the cop. Is this something mm-hmm. that he would? Yeah, but we also get a joke that. I'm kind of surprised that they don't make this joke more throughout the series. Is like he tries to say that he's Sam Beckett, and she says no relation to the playwright. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, and it's sort of like in all the trivia that I've ever read, like I, I've never seen it addressed why Don Belisario decided exactly. to name his hero. Uh, you know, even a very casual uh, anyone who follows theater very casually knows that Sam Beckett. Yeah, is, I mean, is he's a very is a very famous playwright. Yeah, like why he chose to name his main character. Yeah, I mean, After yeah. Such a I, you got you know. At the end of the day, it's like you got you got Shakespeare, you got Tennessee Williams, you got Arthur Miller, and you got Sam Beckett. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, let's I mean, let's not downplay his you know how how famous he is really. And so I think that it is interesting that that's the name that mm-hmm. he goes with. And this is the this is surprisingly enough, I think the first time that it's actually ever brought up. Um, that's what I mean. Yeah. So yeah, he says yeah. Sam Beckett, and she says no relation to the playwright. And yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think, I don't so. think so. Yeah. Yeah. But says <laughs> that he's a quantum physicist. She repeats it back as an astrophysicist, uh, <laughs> which is setting up a joke later on. Yeah. Uh, later on in the episode, but then she comes back and says, "Okay, I'm Laura. I'm the KGB sexiest spy, <laughs> and I'm here to seduce." And then Sam just has this blank look on his face, and then she's like, "Okay, you don't like that fantasy. Tell me your fantasy." And then so he's. I'm Tom McBride. Yeah. I'm a detective. I'm on my honeymoon. He is. He is ready. He's. Yep. It's. It's. If he's got to do it, he's going to do it. He is ready to go. And um, then, but then they see shadows under the door. No, 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 no it's no, through no. the window. No, no, she no. sees through I'm, the window. I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, she sees through the window that they they, they pass another train, and she just gets a glimpse of him, and she knows that it's Roger. That, mm-hmm. that Roger has somehow made it to has come up with him somehow. Yeah. Um, so uh, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, she asked, like, how could he? How could he have caught up with us? Mm-hmm. This is that moment, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, if trains are anything. Like they are now, mm. um, and I mean, this was a, this was in the past. Trains might have been considered a faster mm-hmm. method of transportation back then in in the states, but yeah, totally could have caught up with a car mm. 
doubtfully in the airplane. But mm-hmm. Right. Or he could have just jumped back on the train from when we last saw him. He just wanted to jump off the train because he wanted to make a dramatic exit. Because, True. You know, fuck you, I'm French. Yeah. <laughs> right. um, he was just hanging off the back the whole he time. He was hanging off, yeah. Uh, so Sam makes his way back out into, uh, not, not the dining cabin, but one of the... Yeah, one of, the, one, one of the other cars, and he has this. Um, he has a scene with uh, Roger, but before, before then, yeah, the yeah. bodyguard bumps into him and mm-hmm. steals his gun. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed that they had to telegraph it so much. Like you even see the henchman walking away with the gun sure. afterwards. I wish they had just made it a bump, and then right. later, and then you figure it out later, later on. on. But yeah, yeah, they yeah they made it. They want to make it very clear that. Right. No, that's, uh, that, yeah, that would be really cool. It, especially, again, because of all the sort of, like, you know, the Hitchcock kind of influence on the episode. Like, mm-hmm. to, to kind of have that little nod to something happened there, but not know exactly what it was, and mm-hmm. then later on come out to find, like, oh, no, he doesn't have his gun anymore. Mm-hmm. It would definitely yeah. kind of, yeah the, the, yeah, the shock factor of it would be cool. Yeah. but we, So we have this scene with, uh, with Sam and Roger. It's just a very, uh, another creepy scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. With this actor where... Uh, his his analyst uh, thinks that he is quite mad. Unfortunately. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. And then he conveys a story that basically, like, um, his mom had given up the names of all the Nazi sympathizers. Am I, am um, I correct in that? No, she be- yeah, she betrayed the members of the French Resistance. That's it. So, yeah, in other words, she was, like, you know, coerced by the Nazis to give up yeah. members of the Resistance, and she did it. Yeah. Everyone except for him, yeah. and he killed her mm-hmm. anyway. And this is where, like, yeah, he he killed his own mother. Yeah. This is like, now, now I do think you... So then we cross over into supervillain territory without question. There's no yeah. sympathizing with this guy anymore. If there, yeah, if there's there no, ever was yeah, before. I, I, I am a villain. It's like at that point I wrote, I wrote well-drawn psycho killer, mainly yeah. because... There's no other like he he is like you said the supervillain, mm-hmm. but yet they you know they 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 inform it well you know it's yeah. like it's like okay this is where he comes from it's fine he's not going to be the most three dimensional of characters or whatever mm-hmm. but it's like oh, okay I get it you've got your origin story now and mm-hmm. you know, we're good yeah. to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but before then they they have this conversation about you know she's my wife and Sam's like no she's your ex wife and you know. She took a vow. That's no longer a strictly male privilege to change your mind. Yeah, this nice little yeah conversation yeah. about ownership and yeah. consent and mm-hmm. honoring and obeying, honoring or obeying. Yeah, Ugh. and then yeah. <laughs> uh, but by the time we get to the end of the conversation, Al has appeared, and Al just take him, take him, yeah, take him. And this is when Sam reaches in and reveals that or learns that he does not have his gun, have his gun on him. And then we walk away. And I love this moment where Al says, uh, this situation is starting to get dangerous, and Sam just turns around sarcastically, like, you think? Because <laughs> uh, yeah. you, you don't get too many moments in the series where Sam is just a flat-out smartass. Yeah. And well, that's the thing. Like I said, I think that he's just he's really disgruntled. Like, mm-hmm. this leap has him very, very off-kilter, you know, mm-hmm. not only with that expectation to perform, as you said earlier, with mm-hmm. Diane, but this, you know, there's somebody who is, is a killer, uh, you know, on the train with them and, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get to him and Diane. In addition to that, he feels like he can't trust Al right now. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's very, like, there's, there's all sorts of... Um, of things going on here that I feel like he's, yeah, he's definitely a little mm. bit short-fused. Yeah. Um, which leads us into the next scene. 
Yeah. So we get so we reveal uh, in this moment. Al also reveals that Roger is wanted for murdering his psychiatrist in New York. Right. He's an analyst who thought he was quite mad. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, that morning, and Al starts pounding the U two thing again, and Sam was like, you know, just stop beating that dead horse, basically. And this is when Al chasing him through the train, you know, says, you know, Congress doesn't believe you leaked. This is, you know, this is why. Like, if you don't stop the U two mission, they're going to pull the plug, and Sam just blows him off like I don't need you anymore you know you're not running the project anymore they're not running the project anymore God is and then we have this nice little moment he walks away and then he appears back through the door well but he says but the thing is it was before he before he does that he says sometimes I feel like uh, mm-hmm. nobody back there gives a damn about me mm-hmm. and Al says I do mm-hmm. and and yeah and there's that nice moment where he walks out and then he comes back in and it's like the weight of the situation has mm-hmm. really finally, and finally yeah it clicks like oh oh yeah, yeah. yes and, and you get this beautiful scene with the you know the the Sweet from the Leap Home playing mm-hmm. in the background which yep. is the only music that could possibly play in this scene mm-hmm. uh, and and yeah, there's this real thought that this could be the last time that they see each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Al is like, you know, oh, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll, you'll be okay. And like, and Sam is just, mm-hmm. you know, on the verge of tears here, really mm-hmm. upset over you know, what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. What, what, what comes next? Um, and it's just a great scene. It's, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think that, yeah, this episode, and I'll save some of this for the for the summation, but this episode is really good, and one of the reasons why it's so good is because I feel like we get a lot of, of wonderful emotional beats in it. It tells the story and sets things up very well for what the show is about. Uh, you know, the stakes feel very high. Mm-hmm. There's multiple, you know, conflicts, and yet they're well done, well thought out, unlike... Um, right hand of God. Uh, <laughs> so, so much hate for that episode. <laughs> so, so I, I, yeah, this scene in particular, though, did, it definitely packs a, an emotional punch, and uh, you know, made me sit up a little, a little straighter and take mm-hmm. notice when I was watching it last night. Awesome. The thing that got me was when he goes to try and hug Al. Yeah. Oh. And he can't hug him because he's a hologram. Yeah. Just be the last moment they mm-hmm. see each other, and mm-hmm. he can't. And then there's this other great moment where he walks out. And the door closes, and he's framed in the window. Sam is, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he's about to turn back and look at Al, and then he doesn't, and he just keeps walking. Oh. And it, yeah, as another that and that and the almost hug were, were really both great. Yeah, yeah without a doubt. Ugh, just tears your heart out. Yeah. So Sam gets back to the cabin, and instantly, like he he tries to say, like, "Hey, can you call your dad?" Um, you know, to, to talk about this. He doesn't really get into it before Dan reveals, like, "No, they can't," because right after the the ceremony. They went off on vacation. They're going to be incommunicado for a week. Total side note, I think incommunicado is such a lovely word. For one, one, just how it sounds, and two, in our ever-connected world, just what the word means right now, (laughs) to be truly incommunicado from the rest of the world. Without a doubt. Not connected to your phone or social media. Well, I mean, that's the thing, too, is it's like, you know, we're using a myriad of devices to sort of, like, stay on track with the episode. You know, look at the wikia or look at, we, you know, all yeah, this we, sort of stuff. got the microphone. I got the, yeah, my yeah. iPad. And yet, at the same time, like, the, the, the trouble with that is that even my, you know, my Mac, if I'm looking at this, I get notifications for text messages. Mm-hmm. So I know I've seen people texting me while we're recording. And it's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. not distracting because I'm choosing to ignore them. And yet, at the same time, it's like mm-hmm. I'm still, they're still popping up. There's mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I can't even. I can't even just sit here and. It's hard to even anyway. imagine a normal uh, person being totally off the grid, 
and it would be like a courageous choice, I think, these days. Yeah. Let alone a senator to go off and, and just not be in touch, even with week. his family yeah. for a week. Yeah. yeah. So, so there's this awkward moment where. Uh, Diana's confused. She's wanting to know like why Sam wants that. She thinks that they're not going to take their word just without the help of her dad. Right. And Sam's like, no, like they're they're going to believe that Rose is dangerous. He he he's actually wanted for for killing a psychiatrist. That's one of those things. Like just just, just shut up, Sam. Just maybe not mm-hmm. re- maybe not reveal everything. You know. Yeah. <laughs> um. But before he has come to the cabin, he has stopped off, and they are radioing. They are radio radioing the authorities mm-hmm. uh, ahead, so that yeah. when the train gets there, they're going to get. Okay, so I did hear this correctly. They they know that he is a wanted killer, yes. and he has made attempts on both of their lives within the last you know five hours. Yeah, and yet the cop. Mm-hmm. Nobody else on the train does anything to try and confine him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's what <laughs> armed and dangerous. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. It was like I mean, they they tip their hand, I guess. If like if they let him know, maybe he would turn into a, a serial kill or a psycho killer mm-hmm. uh, with absolutely nothing to lose at mm-hmm. that point. So I guess I could make that case, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They just let him continue to roam around, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which struck me as a little bit like, all right, we have to believe that this is going to happen for the story, but mm-hmm. this would not happen. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, they decide that they're just going to hang out in the compartment, mm-hmm. and Sam says, you know, um, maybe you should put on something more practical because um, they're going to go back to, to studying. And we have this moment of she goes off on the other side of the compartment, and you don't see her, but she's obviously changing, mm-hmm. and Sam is kind of watching, not watching, but really watching her. But watching, not watching her, but really watching her. And this is like what pushes him over the edge of a falling in love with her. Make your own commentary. What it says about like it's 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 seeing her in a state of undress that makes him fall in love with her. But you know, men. He also did <laughs> say like if you want he's he's drawing and he's pulling it in as much as we can possibly do need to forgive him for this. Mm-hmm. First, he asks for a sign from God if that this is okay. Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she shows up in the black negligee with the little black ribbon that when you pull it, this is yeah. Al's right. Al's, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, then he also gets this look of, of love and adoration for her. So not only does he now love her, at least in this moment, but God wants him to do this. And I would argue if God is running the pro- project, God wants him to do all this. Mm-hmm. Like, right. He would have wanted him to go along with this from, from the very beginning. Any any situation where he's a spouse or where this kind of thing would be expected, you got to assume that God knew that he would be there and, and that this, this is cool. Yeah. Kosher, if you will. That's no, that's a very good point. And even if any, you know, and even if you don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that it is indeed God, you know, with capital G that is leaping him around, that whatever it is, time or fate or, you know, whatever is happening is putting mm-hmm. him in these situations for a reason. Mm-hmm. And that whatever comes along with it, you yeah. know, um, yeah. which I think what's coming up actually is another great 
point to make in relation to that. I mean, we've talked, we've talked about, we've talked quite frankly about sex, you know, mm-hmm. in the context of the show and about what that means if Sam engages in that. But there's something that happens later in this episode, which I think is just as big as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned, uh, you know, morally or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that'll be interesting to, to get to. <laughs> to get there. So let's yes. get there. So get there. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is when later, like we cut to, they're now studying, um, he's quizzing her, but he's also like starting to play with her hair mm-hmm. and she says enough studying. She closes the book. They start to make out. And this is when Sam looks up and he sees the, the shadows under the door yeah. and it's Roger and Henri standing outside, uh, ready to burst in. And then, so we cut to Roger's perspective of him breaking in, um, or they're starting to break in and yeah, and then, Sam pulls yeah, the yeah, Sam pulls the emergency cord. And so Roger kicks the door in and they know that somebody has gone out the window because they, they, right. they, they see the open window and they I think they look out the window and they see him running away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't know where Diane is at, but we get a, a telling camera pan over to... Yeah, to the baggage compartment. Yeah, to, to, to the baggage compartment. The upper bunk. The upper bunk, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so now... Um, Roger and Henri, they chase him. They climb out the window. They go chasing him. Um, so we have this harrowing uh, fight yeah. where uh, Roger uh, running after him, but then Sam like runs out and uh, like he's like he runs out of somewhere. Like he's like ducked off somewhere. He runs out, tackles him. Yeah, they get into a fight. They start to roll under the train. The train slowly starts rolling forward. And at this point, you get the because Sam is like basically pinned him to the tracks. That's right. Yeah, and, the, and it's starting to roll forward, and you get the idea that Sam's going yeah. to like hold him there. Yeah. And you know, yeah, and, and Roger's pulled out his knife. Versa. Sam has gotten hold of the yeah. knife. Yeah. yeah. It's unclear, like, one of them might just get rolled over on by the train. Right. Or stabbed in the heart, which is what Al said, like, that was a possibility. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. The original we, we glossed over that, yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that in the original history, Tom McBride was found dead was, yeah, on, this, on, this, mm-hmm. uh, on this train. On this Honeymoon Express. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So, but the train conveniently seems to... Stops on Roger's... Trish yeah, uh, and then you have this moment where Sam thinks about <laughs> right because Sam takes his knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You have this moment where you think Sam may stab him, finish him off, but instead Sam takes off. Um, Henri comes running up. Rosé says, "Chase after him." Sam jumps up in front of the train, tells the conductor to take off. There's a moment of hesitation until Sam reveals that he's a cop. Uh, Henri tries to jump on the train, but doesn't quite No, make it. he gets run over. Uh, and yeah. they, uh, yeah. yes, with the, I don't know if that's the, that's the, the Wilhelm scream, but they very, without yeah. showing it, they very clearly indicated that Henri has fallen under the, the, the wheels of the train. It very much sounded like he was falling down well. Mm. <laughs> it was, it was yeah. long. It was yeah. very tall. Well, yes. double decker. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so Sam runs to to get a gun from, from the porter, yeah. from, from the porter, and they issue him like this very old. Yeah. What year did they say it was? Uh, they said fifty years before, or something like that. Yeah, something like uh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Railroad issue. Fifty years ago. Yeah. Because so, that, yeah, that's the joke. It's like railroad issue. Yeah. Fifty years ago. Fifty years yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> so Sam gets back to the compartment. He opens up the 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 upper bunk, and we talked about this as we were watching. Like. Really realistic that a person can hide. It'd be super uncomfortable. That would, yeah. I mean, there's just a very nice train that they're on, but mm-hmm. like Amtrak trains, you could fit on the upper bunk if you were slight like her, maybe. Yeah. But 
it would be incredible. It would be a life or death scenario that mm, would that would yeah make you want to get in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially knowing that the only way to get out is somebody unlocking it from the outside. Yeah, there's no way to undo that yeah. latch from the inside. Yeah. 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 Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so Sam, so Sam gets her out. They have this reuniting moment. They have a kiss, but yeah. Roger, Roger superhuman. He is the Michael Myers of quantum leap films. <laughs> uh, he shows up with his gun, points up at Sam's head. Throw and Sam, yeah, Sam throws the gun out. Th- yeah, throw the gun out the window. Now, see for play. Yeah, um, very French. Yeah. So <laughs> Guys, Sam, he's French. And then, <laughs> and then uh, Diane, for having been pretty easily freaked out uh, earlier in the episode, like she does this very brave, calm thing where she steps forward and says, let him go, and I will go with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll do whatever. If you kill him, you're never going to get off this train alive. Yeah. Uh, and she very calmly tries to make a deal. I thought um, that was a well-acted moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But before that, we do have a moment where Roger points out the, uh, how how much the, the how much the brain absorbs the sound of a gunshot. He yeah. wonders if suicides know that before everything they... Everything he says yeah, is Everything so is... Crazy. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, so Roger, we're seeing how much Diane loves Tom and is willing the links that she's willing to go through. Yeah. She is about to shoot him or he is about about to shoot Sam. She reaches up, pushes the gun out of the way. Meanwhile, Sam stabs Roger. Sam still has a knife. He stabs him and falls back. Uh, and I think this is the moment that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. And we get this great image, you know, of, of Sam's bloody hand, mm-hmm. you know, with the knife. And then Roger collapses back and looks at Sam and says, next time it'll be easier. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's, it's, it's such a great moment. And the look on Sam's face, like clearly he's bothered by this and he did what he had to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it now raises the issue of, you know, Sam's killed someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Sam has killed someone. And I mean, obviously it was in self-defense. It was very justified. It was very much, you know, they the, set it up the, to where, yeah, like yeah. you would want to kill him by the end of the episode, you know, this, right. this guy's pure eagle. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's weird. Oddly enough, it reminded me of, uh, it reminded me a little bit of another show, which is very much like quantum leap, but without the time travel, which is the pretender. Because mm-hmm. the, the main character, Jared, throughout the first couple seasons of The Pretender, he's very much a non-violent character, mm-hmm. and he's very much, you know, seeks every opportunity to use his wits over any sort of violence, mm-hmm. um, and it's great. And then somewhere, I think, in the third season, there's an episode where, you know, this, this serial killer is, is kind of like playing this game of cat and mouse with him, and Jared, who's supposed to be this brilliant child prodigy and, and, and you know, has never been quite beaten this way before finally confronts this guy at a church and the guy's goading him saying like you know you don't have it in you to kill me and Jared mm-hmm. finally kills him mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like he's it's like he got pushed too far and he's like you mm-hmm. know not you know, I don't care anymore mm-hmm. um and that's not the case obviously here with mm-hmm. Sam but it did kind of remind me of how we have this character who's very much um you know a, a more peaceful sort Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and now here, I mean, think, he's, yeah, he's if killed it, someone, yeah, if we had more time in this episode, like I would, I would love for them to like take the time for Sam to be, bothered. <laughs> yeah, for, for for Sam to be bothered by that, right, right. Yeah. Uh, but we don't have that time because we 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 got stuff to wrap up. In we five do, minutes. and so we are back to the future. I did it on purpose this time. Um, <laughs> And so uh, the committee is ready to render their decision. Like we start off the scene, like them reading from the history book that the U two plane was shot down. Yep. Um, 
And again, it raises the question, like, how would they know? I wanted to see Al walk into that scene like, no, we didn't talk about the U2 thing. We, st- we talked about preventing World War III. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we're not in World War III here. We, we, we made a deal. Right, Sam right. changed history. I kind of wanted to see Al like, try to pull, a, yeah. to pull a fast one there. He totally could have. Mm-hmm. It seems like Ziggy should play a bigger part in this. Like Ziggy is the one constant, theoretically, right? I mean, yeah. outside, mm-hmm. operating, I don't know how, but operating outside of all of this. So, like, this to me is probably like, yeah, we don't really understand the science yet. We don't really understand computer models yet. So, like, this is how mm-hmm. we're, it's just one, it's one guy's word. Yeah. It's it not has, like we have this computer thing. Uh, they don't talk about it much in the series, but, well, I mean, they, they're, they're going to about to show here. But in the books, they made it much more clear that the only three uh, entities that remember the original timeline is Sam, Al, and Ziggy. Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder if I wonder if part of the reason why we don't hear a lot about Ziggy in this episode is it, it you know makes me wonder how how um, how much of an impact Ziggy can have with so many of its resources cut off, mm-hmm. you know, with, yeah. with not being able to you know do the research without you know with being disconnected in so many ways. Probably it's <laughs> got to be you know it's interesting. There's there's a short story here mm-hmm. in the episode about what Ziggy goes through during this episode because I mm-hmm. imagine that it would probably be pretty difficult for this hybrid computer to all of a sudden not have you know any of the connections that it used to have, if you will. Absolutely. Um, but, but anyway, but in this, uh, Al tries to make the argument that, like, no, he didn't stop you too, but he did stop Tom McBride from being killed on the train. It's somewhere that I can't saved remember exactly. Diane. It, yeah, it saved the life of Diane McBride, and this is when Senator Brown was the like, chairman gets, yeah, yeah, he's like, what the say. hell are you trying to pull? And it was revealed that when Diane's dad passed away in 1965, she ran against Senator Brown for this seat. Yep. And lost. she lost 30 years ago, and he's like, I know maybe invoking her name, you thought you were going to try to get some sympathy, but uh, you, lost. you lost. Sit down and take, take your medicine. Take your medicine, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut back to 1960. They have reached Niagara Falls. Yep. They are in their hotel room. They are studying, and Al, or not Al, but Sam has this moment where he says, you know, I've done, I've done everything to do. Here we are. Either leap me out of here or look the other way. Yeah. Uh, and it occurred to me in this moment, like, at this moment, he thinks he's never going to see Al again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's going to console himself on, <laughs> quote, his honeymoon. Right. Well, um, and, and I think, you know, again, similar to what we talked about in Genesis, you know, I think that Sam at this point not knowing exactly what's going to happen, what has happened, if he is stuck here on his own now. Mm-hmm. There's probably also this element of just sort of like, well, if I'm stuck here, if I guess I've got to do what i got to do, you yeah. know, he's going to continue on his atomic ride and mm-hmm. make the best of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, in the process of getting there, you know, he's finally into it. He's kissing her shoulder, and you know, mm-hmm. but he's, he's correcting her on mm-hmm. the mistake yes. she just made. So, yeah, uh, we, we do get a moment. They start to make out, and it cuts to the textbook, and they're like, there's this little magical music, and the wind blows the the, the textbook pages, mm-hmm. a few pages. And uh, so the question he asks is, what amendments uh, limit private acts by individuals? And she says the 13th and the 14th. And then I love you, and he says, I love you too, but you're wrong. And then, you guys, he's kissing her shoulder in the back. It's only... The 13th Amendment. Yeah. 14th Amendment only has to do with states' rights, not private. 
and that's when she freaks out and she realizes like that would have that affected would cost her. that yeah. would have affected so many of her answers on the bar exam and that one stupid mistake could cost her the exam and then Sam gets that little tingly feeling he knows mm-hmm. he leaps out and then we cut back to the uh, to the Senate committee and Browns could deliver in the line like uh, 2.4 million dollar funding for quantum leap shall be and then her voice breaks in yeah. or a woman's voice breaks in you don't know who it is because we're focused on Al yeah, right. shall be approved for one more year I know we haven't approved Sam's back in time but it's all it's all about the journey it's not right. about the results projects ambitions are noble mm-hmm. and thus worthy of yes. renewed funding blah blah yeah. blah 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 mm-hmm. and Al looks up and it's old Diane yeah. McBride sitting behind there and how I know, old she is how old is she oh man the age makeup is so I know well the is, thing is it is it is it is community theater old age makeup yeah. it is bad well and the weird thing is too is she would only be like somewhere probably in like yeah. late late 50s early 60s yeah. at the most and, it, and yeah. yeah and like as she gets up and walks away here in a minute like she's almost got like a hunchback yeah she's like, like, real slow yeah she's like, like you know her and like Tom, those were a rough 35 her, years her, <laughs> her and Tom McBride had a rough life yeah right. um I'm sure that I mean they were really trying to telegraph, of like course, really trying to right. uh, But we do have this cute moment before she walks away, where she knows, like I notices, I notice his name is Sam Beckett, no relation to the playwright. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember having met a Sam Beckett, yeah. astrophysicist, as I recall. <laughs> I just can't remember yeah. when or where. Yeah, maybe I'll remember tonight when I'm in bed. Yeah, and well, the great. <laughs> uh, when I'm in bed, um, and you know, the great thing is, is that we. Kind of what we were talking about earlier with who would notice. Mm. It's clear that Al is the only one well, that notices. Like mm-hmm. the look on his face, like he looks like a kid at Christmas all of a sudden. Like he's just like, <laughs> you know, he's mm-hmm. got the smile, and 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 um, and so he, yeah, he clearly notices. He's very grateful. He knows that everything's going to be okay now. Things can continue. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, and then we get left with the new leap in. The new leap in. Um, that's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I like, like it. it. By the way, two <laughs> tangents. One tangent, because uh, I had someone ask me this on Facebook earlier this week, uh, so much that I even posted it on our Facebook and Instagram accounts after the fact. Um, in case you don't know, uh, Quantum Leap is on Blu-ray now, yes. which we mentioned, listeners, and all of the music is intact, unlike the the DVD the releases DVD, of seasons yeah. two through seasons four. Um you there, know, are no, there are no there are no extras on the DVD, but the picture yeah. the picture is great, the audio is great, and most importantly, all of the original music is intact. Um, One of the fascinating things too is that when they re- when they when they originally announced the release, they said with most of the music restored, mm-hmm. and that caused a lot of people to wonder what are they leaving out. And a lot of people thought like, okay, we're probably not going to get Georgia. We're probably not going to get like there were a couple of other you know big mm-hmm. popular songs. Well, we did get Georgia uh, and, and, and a lot of other things. In all of the, you know, from Blu-ray.com to, you know, Quantum Leap, you know, to all the websites that I've researched and gone to the message boards and look, because I've not actually had the opportunity to watch every single episode on the Blu-ray yet. It's one of the reasons we're doing this podcast. I have not yet heard anyone comment about what songs are still missing, mm-hmm. which makes me think that, like you said, that there are, that mm-hmm. they're all there again. Maybe the way they put that press release out, they, they were just... They didn't know. They, they were hedging their bets. They were, they were just... Yeah. They were hedging their bets. Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and other weird tangent that I'll throw in now, because now we have the the opening credits as they're pretty well established for a while. Yeah. But the opening credits now are uh, starring Scott Bakula is his shot 
of um, him walking into a scene and played against Seymour, mm-hmm. and he just kind of doesn't look like he know what he's doing. And the shot of Al in the opening credits now is him, like like the kid at Christmas scene where he kind of like collapses oh. back in the chair. Yeah, and that's his moment. Yeah, I came to the series like later on, like towards the end of the second yeah. season, and so just from that moment in the opening credits, I took away the story that. Uh, what we what we were saying is like the way Sam and Al originally met is like Sam walking into the scene there. Yeah, that was him like walking into the project for the first time, not knowing what he was getting into. And Al's face is like, "This is what we have to work with," <laughs> which is totally not right. Right, uh, but just like I said, like coming to the series later on and just taking those two shots. Yeah, that's what I thought. Man, well, here we are now. Season two. Season two has started. We're done mm-hmm. with season one. We've got the new opening, like you just mentioned. Uh, we got a great first episode of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that it, it stands um, above a, a good deal of the first season, mm-hmm. um, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think you know it's easy to argue Color of Truth being the better episode just because of its impact overall and and, and a lot of just the you know, the drama and its statement, you know, its social awareness. But, um, but this is, this is also just a really good episode. And in my opinion, might actually make a, if you were just to introduce somebody to quantum leap for the first time that did not want to sit through Genesis or did not want that you just wanted to get on the fast track. I think I might, I might actually start them with this episode. They definitely talk a lot about the, the driving force behind the whole thing. And also the, um, they they go get into God and politics. It was it was surprising to me because mm-hmm. I look at this as like, you know, even back uh, this was nineteen eighty nine. You said when it was mm-hmm. yeah, September twentieth, nineteen eighty nine was the original gotcha. date for this one. Uh, that seems extremely progressive or perhaps traditional. I don't know what it what it's how to put it because you just don't see a lot of talk about. God, I don't know. We, we've talked about it before. Like uh, this, Quantum Leap was almost like a sci-fi highway to heaven. Yeah, where you know they leaned heavily, you know, obviously into the God thing on on that show. Sure. Uh, we, yeah, and yet at the same time, I think the fascinating thing about that show is is that it never it never got too preachy. Do you know what I mean? Like the odd thing about a show like Highway to Heaven, mm-hmm. which is about an angel, you know, mm-hmm. sent from heaven to put things right, you know, all that sort of stuff, much like Quantum Leap. You know, I never really thought about it, but Sam, you do have a Victor French thing going on. Oh, God, yeah, well, you know, the the grades are starting to come in, what can I say? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Victor French. I used to watch this show as a kid, so so I just remember, but there's not a lot of times where, like, Michael Landon starts quoting the Bible. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that that, in a way, is an interesting aspect of the show. But you're right, you're right, Betsy, there is something, I think, uh, about the show... And it doesn't always do this, but it is, it leans heavily into the God thing here and Mm -hmm. it doesn't, but it doesn't do it in this like overly preachy way or anything. It's just, it's just kind of saying that God exists and God wants things to be right. And so he's using Sam to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, I, I mean, there's a whole other track you can go with. Is Does that mean that God inspired Sam in the first place? Did God, like, you know, was, was God kind of, like, controlling Sam in a way? And, you know, it was like, is, is, is God another Noah or whatever? You know what I mean? Right. Like, to, to go do this thing that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm asking of you, and then I'm going to send mm-hmm. you off in time and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. Um, but it, it does give a little bit, like... 
it oriented me in, in as a, like a novice mm-hmm. into like what the purpose of what they're trying to say, mm-hmm. um, in a way that some of the other ones don't, you just, it just seems like a fun time travel show. I mean, here you really get, no, it's science, it's God, it's politics, it's anti-capitalism like it's mm. all it's all that. and this is also the first episode where like the, the stakes were preventing someone's violent death yeah this is life or mm. death yeah. yeah i mean we've had life or death scenarios in the first season right color of truth uh, one of them yeah i mean um, mm, you know but like Nazi like i said earlier like this well. is the first time like we really have a villain yeah. like a mm. true murderous villain in an episode right they they prove that it is possible in affecting individuals' lives to have a global impact. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's what this oh, yeah. Is. Absolutely. Which, well, because just think about all the great things that Diane McBride and yeah. Senator, you know, did for the past 30-some years, you right. know, um, which I think, yeah, that that is, the, that, that's sort of the little ripples, you know, that, that mm-hmm. change. And it's fascinating, too, that they would want to change such a huge event like the U-2 spy plane being shot down, because just imagine... Like the how different the landscape would have been had that not happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it's I don't know. It's it's interesting that they would want to even toy with something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. they had to have some folly, right? Some something like no, we've got to we've got to stop a revolution in Cuba. Oh no, that's not going to work. Let's let's stop this U two bombing. We need to have something like the audience is going to be curious. Like why don't you go back and. Mm-hmm. Stop some major sure. historical event from happening. Well, here's why, and yeah, and that's how we enact change on smaller level. Even aside from like the Peggy Sue lyrics and mm. uh, saving a cat, like mm. right. And you know, it's funny because I can remember that being simultaneously a you know a both a, a positive and negative criticism of the show with because it didn't. Some people were dismayed that it didn't tackle some of these larger events. You mm. know, like. Why doesn't he go and, and stop this from happening, or mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth? And and yet, then there were a large contingent of critics and fans that liked that he wasn't mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. That they were these you know these smaller, more personal kind of stories, and it made sense in the context of the show too. I mean, mm-hmm. sooner or later you're going to run a big events, and yeah. not only that, you're going to have to figure out like, well, we've got to address the ramifications of changing this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Which gets real hard to watch. The mm-hmm. what well, that other timeless, yeah, which was like debuted. Last oh, season, yeah. I, I mean, they do they do tackle those big events, yeah. yeah. And it's funny how they approach it. Just like to give one example is like they go back to stop Abraham Lincoln's assassination, yeah. And they end up not preventing it, but by the time they get back and review like how history has changed, uh, now it's just understood that uh, John Wilkes Booth did not assassinate Abraham Lincoln, but a team of assassins, yeah. Which included John Wilkes Booth murdered Abraham Lincoln, and that's just how everybody remembers history. Yeah, uh. it gets real <laughs> tough to follow, and mm-hmm. then like these important events, like yeah, it's just it's too much. I love, I love time travel. I cannot get into that show though. I, yeah, I, 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 when I saw the trailers for it, I thought ah, maybe I'll check it out, and then I just you know I never did, so I, I can't speak to it at all. It's interesting because stuff like that starts to remind me of, and I've never actually read any of his books. I hear that they can be rather dry, um, but Harry Turtledove, the guy who writes these, he writes like these alternate history books, 
And so he'll, he'll take like one event and change it. And then this is why the Nazis won world war two. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, and this is what happened after that. And, and he just changes usually just one small thing and mm. then goes off and writes this, you know, alternate history. Mm. Um, and, and some people love him, can't get enough of him. I mean, the guy's written a ton of stuff. And I remember when I was a teenager, you know, seeing them in bookstores all the time and, you know, um, but yeah, I, that, that to me, would never have been the point of this show. Mm. And I think that it, it, for me as a viewer, it probably would have lost some of its emotional impact and depth. Mm. It had it been that because it, it works so much better by telling sort of smaller emotional stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you get glimpses of things going on. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But so, so you are aware of the, the greater context, but it's so much easier to relate to these little individual stories. And Yeah. 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 And, and I think that even, even and this episode does not have hardly any of it, but even some of the nostalgia factor that comes into play, uh, in some episodes, I think would be trampled on in a mm-hmm. lot of ways, you mm-hmm. know, or, or only used because it was nostalgia. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's like, Oh look, they're wearing poodle skirts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to caring about the people. So, yeah. Yeah. But I love this episode. I think it's a great start. I, I think it's, you know, it, 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 it really does represent a bit of a shift in, in the tone and in the maturity of the show mm-hmm. and, and raises the stakes and makes you think about things from a different perspective all of a sudden. You know, we were usually focused on what, what Sam is doing and this is now kind of reminding us that there's there's a place he comes from and mm-hmm. that place might not always be too kind to him and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, which is cool. Any other thoughts? I think that pretty much sums it up. Wow. All right. Well, we are, we are finished here then at Project Quantum Leap. Mm-hmm. Honeymoon Express... Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you enjoyed the episode Honeymoon Express. Uh, please, you know, give us a shout. Let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. We'd love to have some feedback. Uh, read it out live. Well, as live as podcasting gets, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. For Disco Inferno. That's right. Yes. <laughs> oh, we never really finished that, did we? But yeah, he, he leaps into uh, yeah, Disco yeah, Disco, dancing. yeah, Disco cool. Dancing, yeah. 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 All right, cool. Well, we'll see Disco you next, next week. <laughs> see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time. If I